The following message is the opinions of the hosts and is not intended to be medical advice. Viewer discretion is advised. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked. With the right conditions, we have an inversion. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. And what you're seeing here is the we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Welcome, guys. Episode number 15 of Unearthing 5D Reality. Guys, today I'm here again with Derek, obviously. We've got a guest, Ira Rogers. Um, I picked Ira specifically because of his knowledge around the topic that we're going to be talking about today, um, which, as you guys can tell by the title, is the idea of germ theory. Um, if if these germs are around us in our environment, if we need to eliminate them, it's just the idea of germ theory in and of itself. Um, and also in the second hour, I asked um, Ira to prepare a little bit of a talking um, points about um, terrain theory and kind of produce that. So this will be our first talk. And I know that me and Derek have brought this up a lot in past podcasts that we do need to talk about this because it does keep coming up in, in multiple areas of conversation. So um, I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, and I know Derek is too. Derek, what's going on? Hey, hope everybody's having a good day. So yeah, you've heard us talk a lot about germ theory and our beliefs on how the body actually interacts with these so-called germs. And so today you're going to actually get to hear from a very well-versed gentleman on what exactly is it we are up against? Are we battling germs or are we battling more propaganda pushed by our governments? Well, yeah, we're basically today we're just going to look at like what's going on. We're going to honestly um, try to take apart and ask what's happening in our environment. That's that's right. Um, anyways, I'm Ira. Yes. And uh, thank you for having me on, guys. I uh if anybody's curious and wants my written work or any of my information about my three-hour film, which completely unpacks this in a more cinematic fashion, I, I made a three-hour film called Beyond Good and Evil. I'm currently writing a book called Vanishing Point in which its chapters are being released on my Substack page, proxyearth.substack.com. Um, so that's kind of like the foundation of where, you know, a lot of frequently asked questions can be directed to. Uh, but I'll, what I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to be very profound to say there is no such thing as a path. There is no direct evidence of a pathogenic virus existing because what you're looking at is extensive amounts of the medical literature and, and even, you know, people trying to unpack the complexity of what's going on in germ theory. Uh, we have this presupposition of contagion that was taught to us in the education system about how, a, a virus can be the cause of disease. So what, what we have to question is that claim and then pick up and then, and then we have to also offer alternatives as a means to be like, okay, why would this, why would this be set in place in place of something like eating fast food or distortions of frequency or, you know, bringing down someone's psychosomatic 
vibrations to a level where the stress makes someone have raise their cortisol levels up, all those kind of things. And so what we're looking at is germ theory being insisted upon us based on based on a theory that arised in 1861 by one uh, French chemist and microbiologist, Louis Pasteur. So it's, it's the investigation of the claim. So in common law, we find the burden of proof being shifted toward those who make the claim. Um, and that's, that's exactly what's going on is there's a claim that there's invisible pathogenic virus that's so small and it's, it's being mistaken under a microscope as what is actually cell detritus, also known as cell poop, as, a, as the psychiatrist Kelly Brogan likes to put it. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'll let you guys interrupt yeah. me here. <laughs> so I just want to ask, uh, is there a difference between what we would call a germ and what we would call a virus? And are these two distinguishable or are they one and the same and we're just kind of labeling them? what we feel is necessary for the, the well, narrative. I, I, I would quickly, I would quickly suggest to throw a third thing under there just to create like a little philosophical stretch and an extreme comparison. Uh, you could also say, does a unicorn exist? Uh, because in this sense, the virus, which would be the cause of the disease, like all we've been shown is like on television pre-programmed and like, um, pre-programmed in even Hollywood movies, things like that, is that, I mean, don't get me wrong, like The Walking Dead is one of my favorite shows, but it's fiction, you know, it's <laughs> the presupposition of contagion, as in, can one person cause another person to be sick? It's, it, they, they're presupposing it's a virus, like, what they're trying to take away from people is their own subconscious ability to understand the terrain around them. Um, and, and as, you know, as I like to point out in one of the scenes in my uh, fair use film, my philosophy film is I like, you know, there was a scene in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail where, you know, nobody was, it's basically in that scene, there's the guy with a mud wagon and he's dinging this like really dull bell saying, bring out your dead. And it's a metaphor for what was going on a long time ago with the black plague. Okay. So, they, I they, love that movie, by the way. That's like that's one of my favorite film. movies. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. It, it is. And 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 that's the thing is like what you must notice is that the royal like, I mean, to let me just shrink it down and just like speedball it, is that the royal societies and those people were not, you know, doing proper plumbing. So people I mean, people have to go to the bathroom, right? So mm -hmm. then what's causing people to be sick? It's like, well, is it a magic path is it a magic pathogen virus that emerged out of some bat soup or some sort of like uh you know some sort of wizard of oz thing in a laboratory or is it is it uh the fact that people are defecating in the streets and you know, one of the one of the senses you have is what are your five senses like i know your i know your podcast is called unearthing 5d reality dude i'm trying to unearth the five senses and let's use one of them how about your nose like <laughs> like let's 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 simplify this man it is like it is just gut feeling like long live the rednecks i say and um in this sense like if it smells bad it's probably bad for you okay what they're trying to tell you is that the reason people are getting sick is because of an invisible uh, virus that 
you know, comes off of like, you know, weird wet markets and it's just, they just make it up. Um, and then the, the foundation for this is exactly what it's, it's the exact empty space that's needed to expand state control and state totality. And so you can get massive amounts of people to do what you want by shifting the onus and the collective responsibility of public health onto mass numbers of people in strict uniformity, strict uniformity by using like subconsciously assaulting uh, Adobe Illustrator cartoons and happy cat video music to like ideologically possess people with this empty space that is nothing. There's just nothing at the bottom of this rabbit hole except like there are solutions when you find out what is false. So what my analysis of, of finding the core of germ theory goes back to me being a hardcore musician for many years and, you know, just crushing books about like, you know, what, like the mystery to me, let's say before the, the uh, COVID religion set in and everybody decided to sit six feet apart for a while. Um, the, the, the mystery for me was how was it that these, you know, totalitarian states were able to perform and, and how, how were they able to prevent people from rising up? Um, and, and what they just basically used was the general fear and pseudoscience in, in, I mean, let's just, let's just use the Nazi state, for example, they vetted out scientists to match with the ideology and, you know, deem the, the undesirable population of those places as spreaders of disease. They stigmatized these, they stigmatized certain people within the population. And what's really happening when you zoom out is it's just the state punching down on the civilian class. Um, and, and I don't see a difference in what's going on today um, for, for the early stages of, you know, the 1930s uh, Nazi state. Uh, they, they essentially got so strict into their pseudo reality to the point where, I mean, they, they were beheading students who spoke out against the state, uh, which would, you know, be uh, Hans Scholl and Sophie Scholl of the uh, White Rose Society. And that's, that's essentially what you saw is like, you know, you, you saw pathogenic lies told to people by the state, which distort the very nature and foundation of people's connection to the laws of nature. And so when we, when we look back to why germ theory became popular, as, a, as a Barbara O'Neill put it, when she, she explains so well in, her, in a video, she was like, in a video, it's on my YouTube channel, it'll probably get taken down. But she was saying, uh, yeah, like, Louis Pasteur had, had, had the germ theory. Uh, and he essentially pitted people to believe that the cause of disease was something external from them and, and that it wasn't their fault. You poor mm -hmm. thing, you pitiful thing. And that just creates the victim complex. And so, you know, he, he like basically plagiarized Antoine Beauchamp, which was a contemporary of that time. And Antoine Beauchamp had the terrain theory, uh, which is the, obviously this is kind of what my, my film and, you know, large sections of a book I'm writing is, uh, is about. Can I interrupt you, Ira? It's time. 
<laughs> I just want to interrupt you real quick just to talk yes. about this. Um, I, when I was going into this research, it was really profound to me that I didn't even know like the size comparison from what they were saying viruses are to like a red blood cell. And I would ask people to look that up. It will it, it will really open up your mind. And I know that um, Derek is going to have some thoughts that he wants to express here because we were kind of talking about this previously um, yes. this weekend before this conversation. But if you look at a red blood cell, which we can clearly see through a microscope, and then you look at the size that what you coli is and then you look at the size of smallpox or polio virus or these other viruses that they're claiming exist which i know i've said it i said at the start that i'm on the fence and i know me and derek are both on the fence about this um but as far as these when i'm looking at smallpox and polio um i don't think that these exist and i can see the motivation and i totally um i, I totally can jive with ira's thoughts and kind of why he sees that yeah. they would be perpetuating this onto everybody to get everybody to wear masks and to get control and to get fear. Um, for the most part, we've kind of gone over that and, and shown that that is the main thing that these people are trying to do to get um, control of us. But that is that is one thing I just wanted to point out quickly while Ira yes. is pointing out all the awesome things he is. These these things are so small, and um, I want. Derek to kind of talk about electron microscopy um, a little bit because when you look into this, that's the first thing you're going to be presented is that they are seeing these things through electron microscopes. And it kind of confuses me a lot, but I want Derek to kind of explain what's happening there. Well, and so that's my – I've got a few problems with all this that I really, really would like to work out. Uh, like, because you can look under microscopes and see organisms. Like, this is no secret. Uh and so, like, it, yeah. it's, I'm just kind of questioning, like, what are they? Like, okay, they're not what they're telling us they are, but what are they? So, like you were saying earlier, how um, people were getting sick because they were going to the bathroom and they didn't have a place to put it. So, they just threw it out the window. Uh, so, if, if that's the case, then interacting with this fecal matter would get you sick. What, what about this fecal matter is getting you sick? Uh, what's in it that makes it not healthy to be around? Uh, that's just one of my like immediate questions that I get is like, okay, if if it's not accurate, then what is it? Like, if being around it gets you sick, what what about it gets you sick? You know what I mean? Sure. I, I think I think that I think that that kind of question is very very good. But I would just say, you know, it smells bad. It makes you sick. Like I'm I'm trying to like. You know, be like, let's just use our gut. Which I can here. jive with that because if yeah, you yeah. do stay around, like, um, like feces, things like that, mold <laughs> will build up. You can, yeah. um, like, Your if you look and... into like molds and things like that, the aromas yeah. that come off molds can make yeah. you extremely sick if you stay in them in house. So I can kind of see the it's... thought process on that specific sure. one. It's it's the necessary deck. It's it's the decaying of of it's it's the decaying. It's the state of decaying which mm -hmm. causes things around it to decay which and that's is, yeah. essentially like you know if you pee your pants and then walk around all day eventually you're going to smell bad you probably shouldn't go to a party you know like, yeah. like let's just be real simple about it and then like so basically what, what we're looking at is like okay how much zooming in versus how much we're zooming out and then trying to find a balance in between that's on the frequency that we literally occupy <laughs> you know like if there's if there's a poop on the ground you know that's probably shouldn't remain there especially if it's just like on the floor of your bedroom uh that's that's just like you know that that's just indicative of the inevitable it, like empty space with the inevitable 
you know, let's say the inevitable evil that people have to contend with. Now, what I'm saying is if we look into what part of this, let's say, <laughs> let's say just a big poop that's just sitting on your desk and you breathe it in too much, it makes you sick and it's whatever. Um, what part of that is specifically making you sick? It's like, well, it's kind of like the same question that, that uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, let's say, scientists, and I put quotes around scientists, I would say those science type people. Uh, it's the same question they were asking when there was a scurvy outbreak on a, on a naval ship a long time ago. Um, so what's going on? Scurvy outbreaks going on. Uh, people figured out that you, that the crewmen on board a naval ship could be given citrus. They, they had, um, they had lemons and oranges and then the scurvy went away. Okay. Now what happened is people who were scientifically minded and mainly funded by the Rockefeller oil people, which, you know, they're very trustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted to find out because, because they know that nature cannot be patented. Okay. So then they wanted to find out what part of the lemon and the orange is, is the thing that's curing scurvy. And we're going to do multiple experiments. We're going to do experiments just like we do with the isolation of a virus later on. It's, it's like mirrored like crazy. There's actually an episode about this with a nutritionist on this guy, Patrick Black uh, does a, uh, he does a podcast called a light on podcast and this nutritionist completely breaks down how they isolated vitamin C. And then I'll explain to you how they isolated a virus. And it's going to be similar, similar, but in this, in this particular case, they, you know, boil it down, run it in and out of incubators. And all they're doing is take peeling a lemon apart and trying to find what part of the lemon was making people well enough to get rid of the scurry scurvy. And they were trying to isolate that from the lemon, right. Rather than just giving people lemons and turn it into a petroleum pill form in order to, and then they, and then they said, this is a vitamin C pill. It's good for you. And then instead of it curing people at a hundred percent, well, a healthy patient is a customer lost. Now it's like less than that, but you get people depending on the thing that you can sell them, which the, which the medical industrial complex has patented into petroleum medicine. And that's, that's the exact problem. So when we're looking at, uh, the poop being the thing that makes people sick, which is your question, which is a great question. We're like, okay, but what part of it is, it's like, well, I mean, it is definitely some sort of decaying bacteria. Like we don't have disagreement with many people in the microbiological uh, or, the, you know, many of the scientists who do have microscopes, I don't disagree with them on the existence of things that are very small. And I, I, want, I want to close this point and then pass the mic back to Caleb here because I'm going to answer your thing that you were talking about. And this is, a, this is a gut feeling thing I like to tell people when it comes to looking at the claimed size of the virus in comparison to the human cell. And the claim, it, it's like you could just like estimate it to be like this. Let's take a human cell and, and scale it to be the size of America. And let's just, you know, think about the size of America and how long it takes to drive across uh, from New York to L.A. And then you think that's a cell under a microscope. And what they're claiming to be the size of a virus is about the size of, like, the passenger seat of your car in comparison to that. It, it's it, and, then, and then every single time that they amplify 
every single time that they have a new invention of a microscope, when they move from the light microscope to the electron microscope, when they move from the electron to the rife microscope, the definition of a virus tends to change as if it's running away from something. So anyways, I'm going to pass it back to Caleb here. Okay, so um, with that, with him ending talking about the electron microscope, and that's very interesting. I've never heard that, and, and it doesn't surprise me that the idea is changing as things go on. It's The way that I would relate that is similar to the shape of the Earth, where the higher that we go up, the further the the the, the goalpost keeps moving. They used to tell us that um, we could see curvature of the Earth from 30,000 feet. Everybody would say that. They'd say, get on a plane, you idiot. We can see the curvature of the Earth. And now you've got Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson – out there saying, oh, no, you idiots. These people were only an inch above the, the ball, and there's no way you can see curvature from there. So as we get higher, they keep moving the goalposts. So as technology furthers and we can see smaller and smaller things, they're going to keep changing these definitions yeah. if they are being dishonest, which I can totally agree. And, but and um, exactly Derek, right. I want to jump back in um, to and, and the, the idea of the electron microscope and have you just explain that verbally to everybody, kind of what's going on. Because me and Derek have talked about electrons, but from my research, Research on the electron microscope is what it is kind of, um, which is how they're saying that they're getting the the you know the what these things look like and such. They're basically, from what I can understand, it's still an image. It's not a photograph. It's sim. Again, I would relate it again to the shape of the Earth because that's what we all love here. We love that the Earth's flat. Um, it, it, it's the same type of thing as them showing these these fake balls with curving water around them. I mean, this is the same similar idea. It's it's just an image from what I can understand. Well, yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I just wish these people would be more upfront and honest about how these things work. Because technically, an X ray is the same thing. You know, they use invisible lights to view things that are otherwise hidden. Uh, that's essentially what they're doing with these electron microscopes. What they do is they, they fire an electric beam uh, onto a specimen and they measure the interaction with it using the, the magnetic field that happens uh, from the interaction of the electron microscope. And so what they do is they beam it at it and then everything scatters. And as it's scattering, they could basically uh, say what is what based on what, what initially happens from it. So they could they, there's something to it because... You could take chemistry and change one substance into another substance because of <laughs> the molecular bonds that these do. So there's there's no denying that there is something happening. And that's why I just kind of wish they'd be more honest and let us know that, hey, like, we don't know. This is purely speculation. We're just trying to do our best job instead of them pretending as if it's all solidified science. Because <laughs> essentially, when they look at it, yeah, they're they're they are getting an image that is a reaction from what they're doing. And you can observe this reaction and you can make hypotheses based on this reaction. Uh, but essentially, all a, an electron microscope does is it fires a, an electric beam, which has a charge at a specimen, and then uh, it it scatters. And then the way it regathers, they could say, okay, it had six beams that collected to an electron or to a proton, what they call these things. And then they just calculate it based on that. So, um, you know, this is how they image the inside of a cell and all of these different things. Cause as you were saying earlier, uh, what they call viruses are, they're tremendously small. They're, they're, they're beyond comprehension. And so yeah. the best thing that they could do is make an educated guess and, this kind of goes back to our whole idea on like atomism and what it is like, mm -hmm. uh, like Bohr's it, atomic model. Yeah. Like exactly. Like what, 
what is it on that scale that makes reality? Because everything is composed of these things, like uh, the the magnetism that glues everything together is present in everything. And I think what they're attempting to do is dilute the idea that we are in an energetic realm and that everything is bound together by this magnetic energy. And I, it just really makes me wonder, what is this energy and why are they trying so hard to hide it from us? Why are they pretending so hard that they've got it all figured out when clearly they're on to something, but at the same time, it, it stinks. And as we learned earlier, if it smells bad, you probably shouldn't eat it. <laughs> I, I I think that our last episode is a perfect um, pre to this episode because it kind of seems like they're doing the, the same thing with the food as they are with the viruses because it's similar to what they did with the food pyramid where they told us, oh, you can eat bread, you can eat um, all these different pastas, and you'll be healthy. It doesn't matter what you – and calories matter, guys. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you eat. The calories matter. So it seems like it's very similar with this where they're telling you, oh, it doesn't – don't look at your Tylenol pill bottle. Don't look at the, the lawsuits over here on the left. Don't look at left field over here. No, it's these are viruses, guys. These are viruses getting in your nose and you're getting sick. Don't look at what Tylenol is causing autism and all, all these things. No, 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 no. It's it's viruses. So it kind of seems like it's the, it's a similar thing. And I really would like Ira, uh, Ira to talk more uh, kind of about the history, but I don't want to take um, off where he's trying to go right now. I know oh, he's good. got somewhere he's trying to go, but um, I do want to talk about the history because it is extremely important. When you find out this is like uh, almost an every hundred year thing where they're telling everybody to mask up and they're just killing off hundreds of thousands of people through these vaccination programs, through breathing our own exhaust fumes. These things are, um, I can agree, are what are probably causing sickness. And I want to talk real quick because when I was doing this research, I found this and it made me sick. Uh, but there's a current lawsuit going on right now with Tylenol um, in 2022 um, Tylenol, NyQuil, DayQuil, Excedrin, Mucinix, Robitussin, Alka-Seltzer Plus, Goodies, Paracetamol, paracetamol um, and some other stuff that I can't say. But the, the first four are what really caught my eye. Tylenol, NyQuil, DayQuil, and Excedrin. Those things are probably – everybody listening has probably taken one of these. Um, if not in their childhood, we're giving them a lot. And there's a lawsuit going on right now. Um, let me just read this. Tylenol lawsuit and settlement causes potentiality um, potentially being investigated include claims of individuals who are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder after being prenatally exposed to, hence the other the all the other drugs that um, I've been showing. So when we look at this from a third person perspective, a bird's eye view, we look at the vaccination programs, we look at the food. We look at the the programming of the food. We look at the, the viruses. We look at the shape of the earth. There's so much that they're lying about, and it seems like this is just another one of those things. But another point I want – I know this is turning into a little bit of a rant, but um, another point that's kind of bothered me personally about the idea that these viruses don't exist is the idea of like strep throat. Like I, as a kid, I have plenty of times where my sister would get strep throat and then I would get strep throat. So, and then maybe my mom would get strep throat or then my grandma, she came over and then she would end up in, and you can see the correlation um, of the pattern of like, you know, maybe we came in contact, we ate together and 
Um, the idea that something might be being passed on some sort of level, um, I, I'm not fully away that that's not happening because, again, even last week I got sick, and it, it was like a one-day sickness. I don't know what it was, but all, all of my family got it, and the first people that had it was my sister, and then she came over with her kid. I held her kid, and then I got it, and and henceforth from there, and then pretty much every, it spread to everybody in my family, it seemed like, and then to my extended family when they came over to eat with us. They went to my grandma. Same type of thing. So that's what bothers me about this idea. Um, I can see where they would want to tell everybody that the polio virus exists, and they want to kill us. You know, I, They put up the Georgia Guidestones, for heaven's sakes. It makes sense. But and also the coronavirus, that was very obvious. Uh, that was super obvious that that didn't exist. You can even look at the fact that they're using the flu. They have a flu and coronavirus test now. It was, it was literally just a flu. Whatever they're finding with the, the flu tests, they're, they're testing the same thing with corona, essentially, is what they're admitting to us now. But So I can see it, but um, I guess I would ask, what do you think of that, Ira? What do you think of what I just proposed, the idea that there might be something going on? Because even last week, like I was just saying, I had a day bug where I threw up. Everybody had the same thing yes. where we just randomly needed to throw up. It seemed like something had gotten passed as well as I will also bring up the idea that STDs, um, sexual transmitted diseases, are real. Sure. Okay, so check this out. So what's going on here is uh, – First of all, about the, uh, I'll, I'll make a quick comment about the STD thing. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Sam Bailey has a video. It's like 20 minutes long. It completely impacts. She specifically talks about the disease herpes in which mm -hmm. we're told in the education system that we specifically have this for the rest of our lives. And that, you know, it's like, okay, essentially what we're looking at is some type of cold source. So anyways, what I'm going to respond to is the idea, the presupposition of contagion. And mm -hmm. I'm going to try to go through this very quickly. So um, I'm going to quote uh, – this doctor in naturopathic medicine, Amanda Vollmer, uh, here in a moment. But first, I'm just going to explain from my mind uh, what we're experiencing as opposed to, to contagion, which is person-to-person -person transfer of a virus going from one person to another, is a distortion of frequency and, and, an, and a symptomatic episode of sympathetic resonance. And so it's similar to where you would compare this to something that's not contagious, such as if I was right in front of you in a room and I broke my arm and you saw it happen and you saw like a bone sticking out of my arm, you're going to somehow something in you as an empath as I, you know, I'm quite certain you are, you will feel that pain too, mm -hmm. but that's not a, a contagious issue. Like I'm clearly the one who broke my arm. So I have to kind of zoom out and use an extreme situation, which is very, very much in the material world to explain this. And what's your, what you got going on is like, Thomas Cohen points this out in his book, uh, The Contagion Myth, regarding uh, regarding what's going on with you know the presuppositions of contagion from person to person. Is you have like let's just put this in the, to answer your question about the five the, the family members you've had and how you all mm -hmm. had symptoms, um, and then we look at like the this like start with the very simple thing. I have a fork in my hand. This is a fork, and would I stick this fork into an electrical socket that would not feel too good because that frequency in that electrical socket in which the energy systems are sieved and controlled and put a meter box on our house because the oil company people are trying to tell us that Benjamin Franklin invented electricity with a kite and a ring, which is clearly just not the case when you look at like old world architecture from 500 years ago. The point is they're giving us dirty electricity from crude oil because they figured out how to do this in the mid 1800s. This 
fork going into an electrical socket would shock me. It's that simple. If we start there with that gut feeling, when we zoom out, we see that all these 5G towers are being put on water towers of small towns, and then it's inverting the water. And anybody who watches the film Terrain, well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I'll give a clue. There's a lady in there named Vita Austin who talks about the frequency and the consciousness of water and how you can ask it questions and then freeze it and then it comes up and then what this 5g stuff is doing is inverting it just like a microwave just like this is why you don't microwave your food so when i zoom back out back to thomas cohen's book i'm gonna go ahead and tell you he he points out there like if you have five coal miners going into the same cave okay and they use the canary in the coal mine to see if there's like poison, mm-hmm. poison, carbon monoxide or whatever. So if you go into the same and, cave, uh, Can I explain that real quick? Because that's a cool please. story. They basically would take yeah. the canary bird deep, deep down into these caves. And if the canary bird either – I don't know. You might be able to elaborate, Ira. But it would make a noise or it would fly back out of the cave. That would tell you that you can't go any further, that the carbon yeah. monoxide um, contents are too high for you to be sure. able to breathe. I mean because it was – Cool, it was like, cool story. So, so yes, exactly. And, and so – Let's just say there's five coal miners who are just going back to work the next day, and they're picking – they're mining ore. It doesn't matter what the ore is. It doesn't matter what they're picking, and they're picking at the walls just mining ore, and then they come out, all right? And then the next day, they can go back into work, and they're, they're mining the same area. Day number one, after they're mining the ore, one person has symptoms. Day number two, three of the five have symptoms. Day number three, all five have symptoms. And what do they do? We're being tricked by germ theory, the germ theory brainwashing, into blaming each other. When really, what were they striking with that ore? They're picking at like, I don't know, something. Uh, uh, Thomas Cohen's like, oh, well, then they're picking uranium. They're not going to blame the substance, the terrain that's making them sick at the bottom of the at the bottom of the uh, the coal mine. Like they, they might be picking at a substance that's making them sick from their terrain. But it's not a pathogenic thing going from one person to the other. And so, uh, you know, I want to expand upon uh, how Amanda Fulmer explained, uh, you know, I qu- I'm quoting her in my book, actually. That's why I'm able to control F this so fast. Uh, but she she simply points out that she goes, quote, I experience sympathetic resonance all the time as a very empathic being, sitting and listening to someone's story telling me for 45 minutes, birth to now, what's gone on, what has happened, what illnesses and experiences they've had, and I'm putting myself in their shoes, in their position, so that I can understand what they're saying. Always the client knows what's wrong with them. If you have ears to hear, you will hear them tell tell you exactly what it is, and that's the mark of a good practitioner. If you parrot it back and you listen and act, if, if you listen and ask them, what they think it is, and a lot of them will be very close to the truth of what's happening to them. It's like the opposite of what most doctors do. They don't listen to their patients at all. Amazing, isn't it? But you can, as an empath, listening to a story, embodying it in my imagination, I can begin to create a chemical cascade in my mind that actually affects me physically. I've had all sorts of experiences when clients are leaving and I feel their symptoms. It will fade over time, but what it tells me is that I can pick up symptoms that would have no relationship to any type of particle contagion whatsoever, like arthritis. And I can have their thing by my thinking, by my empathy. What's happening is my field and their field are connected. And I'm trying to resonate with them. Can I, I'm trying can I interrupt? To, yeah. So is that kind of what you're theorizing happened with my family? Is kind of like, yeah, is like, that what the theory is? Is we were around each other and maybe one of us, oh, hey, oh my gosh, you threw up. That's, that's horrible. Right. And then you like, you literally kind of take on that. Yeah. And that's and, what you're and, saying. And, and you cut in at the exact right part because 
there's a different part of the book where I mm-hmm. pull up another thing that she says. And that's something that you were saying. And, and she, I'll let Amanda Vollmer answer your question via a quote that uh, another quote of her. I mean, she's kind of a rock star of this stuff. But she yeah, goes, yeah. Everybody should be very – if you guys don't know who Amanda Vollmer is, she did the True Earth event. Um, You guys definitely needed to check out her stuff. I yeah. just followed her on TikTok yesterday. I don't know how I didn't have her TikTok, but I just followed her. So um, definitely check out her stuff, but keep going. She rolls. Uh, so she so she says, quote, see right there, even with the language, you get a cold or a flu. The word get is a problem that is coming from the germ theory brainwashing, that you are a victim who walks around in your world getting things. I was just walking down the street, and then I got a cold, and now I have a cold. I got it from someone. And she goes, she says, this is the sea change that's needed for our thinking. You didn't get anything. You made your sickness. The toxins in your body from your lifestyle made you sick, made you have symptoms. Symptoms are healing you. Symptoms are expressions. They are releases of toxins that have been stored inside your body, and there are triggers for those things. All kinds of things can say to the body, enough. You go to a party, eat a bunch of junk, drink a bunch of alcohol, stay up late. Next day, you have a stuffy nose or a sore throat. You go, oh, I must be get or i must i must have got something when i went to that party well that's called victimhood and that's that is just not how the body works and the sooner we get out of the germ theory brainwashing and understand that those particles actually have never been isolated or shown to be cause any disease in any way shape or form they don't actually exist as described in fact by the method section of every virology paper that exists that we've examined so the problem is this We don't want to take self-responsibility for our actions and our behaviors. It's way easier to pass the buck onto someone else or somewhere else or an invisible floating particle for why we have expressive symptoms. And the way we speak, the way we assume is part of the issue. So we need to change the word, I got it, or I'm getting it, or I acquired it from someone else, or it's this, I'm blaming the particle for why I'm sick. She explains, just like uh, Dolores Cannon explains as well. She goes, no, you made yourself sick with your lifestyle by poisoning yourself, by suppressing symptoms with drugs and shots, so on. And I know you haven't done those things, but what I'm saying is in our thinking, we like our words cast spells. That's what we're doing. We're spelling words. And it's not to like, you know, gaslight you at all or nothing or to assume that it's all your fault. No, it's it's way more like, hey, man, like we have – we have this issue of here's here I'm sharing an image of some power lines just to show you something that's so unesthetic. It's like we've been we've been told this corny sales chop in order to 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 make us believe and reinforce the systems of energy at play from the people who control those systems of energy and distribute these energy systems to us. And you know, I you know, I'll pass it back to you for a second, but uh the point is, is what I'm going to follow with this on my next comment, and just to give you bringing it up to speed, is I'm going to bring you back to the fact that the crude oil industry emerged, and it correlates exactly with the years going on with the emergence of germ theory, and then and then Robert Koch's magic discovery of tuberculosis. He 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 claimed to have isolated the virus that would have caused the disease tuberculosis when really it's like you can't just think about that fork going into the electrical socket as a 
you couldn't think that the electrical socket being not in frequency with earth, water, or human beings being the very issue that's possibly making you sick from your terrain and your frequency. That's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm at what I'm getting at. So I yeah. hope that kind of helps. I, I hope I, you know, yeah, it does. It actually goes right along with what Caleb and I have been trying to present to everybody for a year now. Uh, that's hundred so years ago, something happened where these people started to take over through the oil. They started to take over through the medicine, through the education, and they're able to control us on so many different levels because everything you know comes from them, whether that's how to be healthy, whether that's how to do your job or everything we everything that we know has been taught to us and the people who are teaching us do not have our best interests at heart the whole idea that the your your mind actually controls these things and like you you literally can have mind over matter that really resonates with me because i i know i from my research the mind is a powerful thing if you think you're gonna die because of your illness then there's you have a way higher chance that that's gonna happen versus if you know hey i'm stronger than this i could beat it this happens all the time this is why in modern medicine they they can't be certain on how it's gonna work on you is because your brain actually does control a lot of the outcome that you're going to experience but what i'm wondering is something that the power of suggestion more or less works on people who don't truly understand and when they hear these things they don't they don't think about them they're more like a programmed response because everything we've been taught came from one spot and they teach you to not question to just accept is this kind of thing like does that correlate with people who are more or less head in the sand versus people who are more empathetic and out there working on themselves because a lot of uh, the people who are more aware, you know, like I don't, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't see them being as sick as somebody who's completely oblivious to somebody who takes all of the medicines that they're being yeah. given. Cause most of us know not to take prescriptions, right? Like that's just obvious. Right. Uh, but the people who do take them often get more sick. And the more you go to the doctor, the more sick you get. Is this because they are really in such a state of mind that they're allowing the the world around them to just lead them around by their nose and uh, teach them that, you know, you interact with somebody who's sick and you're sick because mm -hmm. uh, it just it it's kind of seems like if you have more empathy, you'd be more and like you'd be more susceptible to that kind of thing. But from what I've experienced, and what I've seen around me, that's not exactly the case. Yeah, it's the excesses of inherent goodness, which kind of provide like pave a red carpet through denying the chaos of the inevitable evil that's the you know the pendulum swing opposite of the empath goodness itself and so on a spiritual level that's what's occurring but uh in the sense of like material material symptoms okay so like if you if you start to perceive your symptoms as your body casting out the toxins and your body communicating with you you find out that that's exactly what's going on and then you know, it, anybody who wants to tell me like, oh, a virus totally might exist. So like if they want to ride the fence about it, I, that's, that's totally fair to question my claims. Uh, but I would, I would quickly just say, all right, hop in the car, man. We're going to drive down the highway and we're going to, I'm going to give you a little uh, piece of paper where you can count how many fast food restaurants we're driving by. And, you know, like we're going to, we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the Hansel and Gretel game being played with these like, you know, or kind of like uh, the C.S. Lewis books, the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the Turkish delights that are being presented on a silver platter 
which are just like you know essentially material poisons that are causing the things. And and to add to what Caleb was saying earlier when he's saying, well, I don't believe the polio virus exists. It's like, well, that's fair uh, because I agree because polio and what what's the things that are causing polio are specifically in that time they were they were mowing people down with this white dust called DDT. It's the treatment and the preventative medication on the general public on the presupposition of contagion itself, which is causing the disease. And so that's kind of what I had to say about that. Well, and just so everybody knows that uh, during this discovery of germ theory, this is when vaccinations became more mainstream. You can find things from before this where they would like inoculate different animals with different things. Uh, but the this Louis Pasteur, he got called to come heal some sh- uh, sheep because, you know, he was the germ guy. And there was a whole herd of sheep where they were sick and he created a vaccine and his vaccine killed, I think it's like three or 400 percent more than uh, the so-called illness. And so these things don't like the history of these vaccines aren't being given to us. Uh, but yeah. like the entire concept of of these things all being externally, I really think that that is the main focus of this is they don't want you to eat healthy. Why? Because they can't patent foods, right? They can't. They could patent something from the food that they extracted and synthesized and all of this. So they'd yeah. rather sell you that instead of yeah. Yeah. allowing you to eat healthy, allowing you to think healthy. Your, your mind is powerful. And the water you, you drink. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They, they want you... They they make they make the substances that are far more difficult to make cheaper than organic substances, which just simply grow out of the ground. <laughs> like, and uh, you know, it's so simple as that. Like, why do they make this food cheaper? It's like, well, who qui bono? Who benefits the medical industrial complex? Who's how much money they're making on the back end? They, they, they make so much money on the back end of people just simply paying for health insurance. It's similar to um, – I know Derek has said this a lot, but it's similar to social media or things like Pornhub. If it's free, you're the product. If it's extremely <laughs> cheap, right. you're the product. If That's you're right. eating McDonald's for the $1 McDouble, you're, you're getting energy. away financially, but you're going to pay on the back end with cancer and other things. Yeah, that's why, that's why they do it. I mean it's, it's, it's as simple as like you know, the, the availability of like – why someone would pay you money to donate plasma um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's all it's blood money it's obvious and and, it's and, blood and money. they're draining they're draining people's people people's spiritual connection to their own 21 grams of weight inside of them which constitutes their soul which has already been proven by dr duncan mcdougall in 1907 and i already you know kind of went over that in my film at the very beginning of it um but it's the 21 grams of weight experiment where he had six consenting dying patients die on a scale in which the the moment their heart stopped they lost 21 grams of weight which which gives empirical scientific proof that there's an existence of a soul inside of us that leaves our material uh avatars right but it doesn't like leave and obviously i think you and i uh we we've we've all concluded in in this uh conversation at least we We've all cl- concluded that these souls don't go to space because yeah. <laughs> that ain't real. <laughs> yeah, <doesn't exist. laughs> uh, yeah. Like uh, that's that's part. Like the whole thing with this this germ theory stuff, and and it goes back to like the the same thing they're doing with trying to insist to people that these uh, crude oils are 
like the de- the decadent bones of di- of dinosaurs, <laughs> like the the fossil fuels thing, is a sales chop uh, to simulate scarcity, and that's a that's exactly what they've pulled off with these uh, with these with the rollout of these mRNA injections, uh, and and of course like there are plenty of people I know. Who were listening to, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but definitely some very popular controlled opposition podcasters, which you can read about in my article called The Formula, in which they were being pushed monoclonal antibodies, right, as an alternative to treat COVID. And what you find is, I'll be very simple about that, is that uh, monoclonal antibodies are nothing more than, um, well, you find it's it's got the same thing it's got graphene oxide in it just like the vaccines which were rolled out uh, for the covid thing and uh monoclonal antibodies they roll off the tongue nice and it's egoistic like you know tongue it's an egoistic yeah. tongue bath of hard consonants isn't that weird people, how it just sounds good to stay into a microphone but what they are they're made by astrazeneca and they're just vaccines and <laughs> like that's it. They're just vaccines and they are, they are AstraZeneca vaccines given a fancy name. And like, you know, you could sit around and like have these giant pissing contests with all these peer reviewed papers that go over. It's like, you find that the monoclonal antibodies just have graphene oxide in them, just a little bit of research. And that's, you know, you got to kind of like abandon this lab coat nonsense and just kind of be a redneck for a minute and be like, yeah, it looks like you renamed a vaccine and got the Florida governor to push it on people as a healthy alternative to, to treat COVID. And it's all in the dialectical um, chess match of black and white squares to play good cop, bad cop, in which the foundation of the entire thing uh, insists to you that they isolated a virus when they never did. And so um, what I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll point out one of the uh, cool parts of my film that I made um, uh, is that you have to look at the claims and, and, and most people won't because it's like, it's unreadable. It's kind of like if I, it's kind of like if you and I are not playing Grand Theft Auto video game right now, but I'm sitting here in a microphone, just telling you what the cheat codes are as if that's going to help you tomorrow when you are playing the game, that's not going to help. I'm going to sit here and be like up, up, down, down. That's basically what these boring to read extensively like long and arduous to read virology papers are. But there are people who are, it's the same thing with like space with like NASA. It's similar where they make it so complicated. (laughs) Nobody wants to look into it. It's a freaking like chalkboard sales chop. It's a, it's a commercial. And so what's going on is you have this, okay. You have, you have, what they're actually doing is they'll they'll tell you on the on the papers what it is. It'll say something like a word Vero C L O eight one or something. No one, no one knows what that is. No one should know what that is because it's it's you know what it is? Okay, it's a scientific explanation for monkey kidney cells. That's what they are. They're monkey kidney cells. And then there's something else which has another fancy name. And okay, so I'll just tell you what they do, but they, they disguise it, they mask these words with fancy scientific sounding words. And so here's what they do. The virologists, when they, when they claim to isolate a virus, they just take a human cell from a sick patient. They put that thing into a Petri dish. That Petri dish has the human cell. They need to keep the cell alive long enough 
using bovine fetus serum. Now that flies over my head the first time I hear it, as it should anyone. But bovine fetus serum is cow bovine fetus, like a so now we're looking at a cow fetus. Serum is like the opposite of a poison. And you know, you, people can know what serum is from like, I don't know, Metal Gear Solid 3's uh healing menu or whatever. But the point is is that serum is the opposite of a poison. It's you know, whatever, it's a base. So you have this human cell stuck into a petri dish, kept alive with bovine fetus serum, which that's not flying around in the air. And then they create this thing called the cytopathic effect by poisoning it with these uh, with these necrotoxins. One of them is a, a monkey kidney cell culture being inserted into it, which is the Vero, CL, whatever. And then they add human liver cancer cells to the mix, all right? And they add all the like a couple other things. Then they mix it up in the in the little concoction, and then they stick it inside of an incubator, pull it back out of the incubator, <laughs> freaking take a picture of the whole thing, and then they insist to you they isolated the virus when they never did. And this is the similar thing is like what I'm trying to do as an artist, and you know as just like what am I? I'm a hardcore musician who, you know, whatever. Okay, so here's how I'm going to explain it to the everyman is let's just say I have a car. Or you, you, let's say you drive up to me in my in your car, and you are asking me, "Hey, we're just having hanging out. We're gonna let's hang out, whatever." And I just pull out a hundred dollar bill. I tell you, I'm willing to bet you a hundred dollars that I could take this ping pong ball and throw it through the windshield of your car. And then you're like, "Okay, so you agree to it?" Because I probably can't, because I'm not really that strong. But um. Then upon the handshake, I turn around and duct tape that ping pong ball to a cinder block, and I throw it through <laughs> the windshield of your car, and then I collect my hundred bucks, and you're out a hundred bucks, and you're out a windshield of your car because you signed up for my uh, really, really insidious lie that I my my horrible carnival ride that I pulled out and lied to you, misled you about at your own expense, but your own consent simultaneously. And that's how this whole thing works. And that's what happens when people think they're getting a virus. That's what happens when people acknowledge the virus existence as, you know, settled science and very real. And it's, it's not, it's just, it's just a corny bunch of wizard of Oz Pinocchio bullshit <laughs> it's it's from what i've from what i've been able to deduce it's similar to like what they're saying with the protons electrons it's it's kind of a, an explanation it's kind of a, just a way to describe reality and a phenomena that's going on but i just wanted to i didn't want to jump in and interrupt him derek oh, i know good. he has a question well uh i just want to like everybody needs to understand that the United States' number one source of income is through a medical system, okay? The government does not care about your health. The government does not care about the price you're paying for insurance or any of this. And they're certainly not going to give you information that's going to keep you out of their system. The number one income for the United States, which is the biggest out there, is our medical system. So to believe that these people would willingly give you a free jab to help keep you out of their doctor's offices 
is beyond ignorant. And, and by the way, I want to jump in. Those jabs are costs like 140 to 120 dollars each one, and they were handing them out for free. And then imagine the contents that they were doing with 140 dollars per shot. Imagine what was in it. Sorry, Darren. Well, and not only that, but uh, the companies who created them, like up in uh, I forget which one came from Canada, but the Canadian government actually ordered three shots per every citizen, which you know, each one, it was one shot for each dose. He ordered three of them because the rest of the world, we were paying uh, this tax. We were giving them money for creating this jab. And for every one that they sold, they got X amount from the rest of the world or however it worked. Uh, but they were ordering more than they needed. Okay. So basically the whole consensus of what we're talking about here is these people have trained you to look outside to them for things that are controlled by you. You control your thoughts. You control the things that you eat. You control the things that you do. And what they've done is they've taken over these things and they made you super dependent on them. So now instead of getting your nutrition from your food, instead of having positive thoughts about who you are and what you are, you think you're an evolved monkey. And you think sitting next to somebody who's sneezing in the hallway is going to get you sick. And all of these things are by design to lead you into their trap because the more you take from them, the more they take from you. And I'm not talking about just money. What we are talking about here is your consciousness, your health, your will to live is being affected by these things. And if you if you are to the point where you actually believe that you need your prescriptions or the doctors know what's right, you, you just need to step back, be objective, and look at this thing from an outside point of view. What do governments want? They want control and they want money. And I don't like when people say the governments don't want money, they print money, that's ridiculous. The people who run the governments want your money. The government itself is a fictitious entity. So yeah, sure, it doesn't want your money, but it's run by people who do want your money. And because they want your money, they don't care what they're going to do to get it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, for real. Here, do you want to take it anywhere? I know we're getting towards the top of the hour. Do you have um uh, anything you want to get into the first hour? Do you have uh, a, a, if anything? Actually, we should probably just wrap up the first hour and jump into the second. Um, Ira, can you tell everybody again where they can find you? Um, and maybe like some recommendations of literature that they should look up that would be helpful. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, well, wh where where I can be found is proxyearth.substack.com, and on there you find. You know, you'll find links from which you can like, you know, you can send me cat videos on Instagram or whatever. But like <laughs> I uh, on proxyearth.substack.com, I am on there basically writing various chapters and making uh, philosophy films. And, you know, occasionally, like, for example, I released the first part of my book called uh, Vanishing Point which uh, there's like a six minute video introduction, which, you know, provides a little intrigue for people who, you know, would like to catch up to see what happens when rockets go up and then how it has to do with the game of chess. Um, so, you know, there, there's things like that. And then various expositions, I made a three hour film called uh, beyond good and evil, which definitely analyzes what there is with, in regards to the germ theory games being played out right now. And the solutions that can, you know, unveil themselves via terrain theory, which we're going to be talking about in the second hour here. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
I do that, and then on my YouTube channel, before it gets censored, I guess I, I made a bunch of vinyl hardcore records uh, over the years, and you know I got some more hardcore records coming out soon, uh, mainly with the band I drummed for for many years called Much Worse. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool if, for anybody who likes really fast hardcore rock and roll. Uh, so uh, some 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 good recommendations I can provide for anybody is definitely to go – Definitely to flip around at if they for people who have frequently asked questions, I would definitely look at watch the entire you know watch the entire film called Terrain by Andrew Kaufman and Marcelina Kravat. Um, that film is just you know it's a it's a masterpiece if you ask me. Uh, and for the for the people who are kind of on the go who kind of want to like get their smaller questions answered, I would definitely recommend uh, Dr. Mark Bailey and Dr. Sam Bailey and their work, uh, which can be found on Odyssey uh, as opposed to YouTube where they get censored all the time as well as I do. And then there's a, a really great, really great podcast. It's probably the, you know, I, I definitely think uh, Caleb and Derek, you guys podcast is incredible. There's another one that uh, kind of his specialty is completely unpacking and allowing his guests to completely rant it to the bottom of the issue. He's issue he's, he's interviewed really great people like Kelly Brogan and, other people like that, but uh, Patrick Black from Light On Podcast, um, definitely worth checking out. You guys should probably interview him sometime and hear if you if you were wanting to do more episodes about terrain theory, he would be a really really good asset for that. Um, yeah, we will in the future. We'll have to hit him up. I'll get that contact yeah. ready. Yeah, dude, he he's 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 kind of like you know he's he's an artist like I am. You know, he does video artist and that kind of thing. And he was like an he was an actor. Uh, and some stuff, but he came out just like, you know, speaking out about terrain theory and, you know, he kind of amplified its importance and how it's basically the, like the germ theory itself is the wobbly leg of the chair in which the, in which the totalitarian state is just standing on right now. Yeah. That leg, if that leg can be kicked out and people can like, you know, just abandon this germ theory brainwashing and at least like, at least like ask questions like by all means we're willing to debate it but like you know the people mm-hmm. who push germ theory and people who jump into the medical uh and the medical freedom movements and act as the controlled opposition in order to push germ theory and make sure that the people who are skeptical don't go too far away from the germ games well those those people won't debate us <laughs> so like yeah it, sh- it should be quite telling that we're onto something Awesome. Well, thanks for giving those links. Um, yeah. I, unless Derek, unless you've got something, I think that we, we will wrap up the first hour and jump into the second hour, um, talking more about terrain and um, the idea that these germs might not actually exist. Awesome, guys. We will see you guys in the second hour. This will be the fir- the end of the first hour of episode number 15 with Germ Theory with Ira, me, and Derek. And we will see you guys if you are a member and you want to hear the second hour of this episode and every other episode that we have produced. Um, just make sure you guys become a member um, for just $10 a month. And uh, we will see everybody that is a member over in the second hour. Thank you, guys. Subscribe to my Substack, if you will, yeah? Subscribe to his Substack. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs> As usual, if you're hearing this message, I love you. It means you're a member. You're awesome. Um, thank you guys so much. You're the reason why this um, 
podcast exists. So again, we always have to thank our members. You guys are awesome. Um, the idea of terrain theory, I really like it. I really like the idea of terrain theory because it introduces the idea of responsibility. It introduces the idea of responsibility with every thought and everything that you interact with and everything that you put in your into your body. Um, which is exactly what me and Derek have been purporting to all of you guys um, for like almost four episodes now. We've done a couple episodes on health um, and water and these things because we find it extremely important. Um, and, and this is obviously another topic that is extremely important. And it literally introduces to you that, hey, what you're doing matters. What you're doing has an effect. Everything that everything that you do everything that you put into your body everything that you choose to intake everything that you choose to watch or choose to listen to will have an energetic effect on you essentially and that's kind of what if i were to explain what terrain theory is in a rant what i said previously to start the second hour is exactly what i would explain what would you offer uh, else to explain um terrain theory oh you asking me yeah, yeah. yeah okay so um Terrain theory is just basically minding your and taking yeah it's just essentially in taking personal responsibility for your own health like and and the terrain is everything like it is in that that is a quote that Louis Pasteur said on his deathbed uh, in regard to uh, Bachamp's terrain theory and I think if you if you want to mind wait what your, exactly did he say said the terrain he said the germ is nothing the terrain is everything. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling like, me the guy like, that like, theorized like it's like a, it's like a it's like an astronaut on the deathbed. It's like it's just like well, the astronauts. Yeah, yeah. It's just like um Buzz Aldrin. He keeps saying that they didn't go to the moon. Have you guys seen the most recent one that he said in the Dude. like the huge auditorium? Dude, the 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 Buzz Aldrin stuff. I I, I it's hilarious. He's like. We didn't go. <laughs> so from my understanding, when I was doing the research for this episode, it seemed yeah. like Pasteur was kind of standing on the shoulders of a couple other people from like the 1600s and the 1700s that were trying yeah. to – it was kind of like the ball. They were trying to say that there were germs. It didn't really stick until Pasteur came around and really purported it. But what you're yeah. telling everybody right now is that the guy that purported that germs exist – said that germs don't exist on his deathbed and that yes. it matters what is around you and in your yes. environment yes and, okay. and and that's that's precise <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it is like it, i mean it's it's like i mean i i guess if some people were to translate it directly from french if they want to they could say instead of him saying the germ is nothing he would say the microbe is nothing but that is exactly what he was saying <laughs> so, yeah in the 1860s and forward was calling it the microbe. he was saying the exact opposite and 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 there's this uh, there's this author who wrote a book called uh, uh, called Bachamp versus versus Pasteur and he his name is uh, E Douglas Hume, and um, in it's like chapter or a later chapter in that book, uh, it's called the Origin of Preventative Medicine. It's it's a it's an entire part of a book called the Cult of the Microbe, <laughs> and in that book I'll I'll, I'll tell you uh, a section from this book he was said. He said it was at the commencement of the year 1873 that Pasteur was elected by a majority of one vote to a place among the free associates of the Academy of Medicine. His ambition had indeed spurred him to open, quote, a new era in medical physiology and pathology. But it would 
seem to have been unfortunate for the world that instead of putting forward the fuller teaching of Beauchamp, he fell back upon the cruder ideas now popularly known as the germ theory of disease. It is astonishing to find that he even used his powerful influence with the Academy of Science to anathemize the very name of Microzema, so much that Monsieur Fremy, the friend of Beauchamp, declared that he dared not utter the word before that august assemblage, as the name was, however, required for airborne microorganisms, Pasteur accepted the nomenclature microbe suggested so, by the surgeon. So like that's that's so I mean like he built it on some Greek word macrobiorus and like it's just he, he made it up. <laughs> I, I do have a question on that note. Uh, so I think everybody here can relate to having an infection on an open wound or uh, yeah. like say you're going into the doctor and you get surgery and then you do get infections that do require antibiotics to actually get rid of them. What would you say these are? Like, uh, and this is why I say like I there's has to be something to this, uh, but that's yeah. why I really want you to dig in and explain to people about uh, sure. What's inside of a cell and how they deteriorate and they live forever. I forget the name of them. Uh, but like, what would, how would you explain that? Somebody gets a cut on their hand, it gets red and infected. You pour a little peroxide on it and it, it's no longer like that. How would you explain that to the people? Sure. I, I think I would have to use mythology to explain it because I want to keep it really, really simple because I could try to get all like dig down the papers, but I'm going I'm to use the walking dead as a perfect example. Okay. So in the walking dead, you have the walkers. Okay. And the walkers, they bite you. Okay. There's a diff there's a difference between contagion and infection in this case. And that, that, hmm. that extreme mythological metaphor is kind of necessary for me to kind of point out. It's like, okay, there's a difference between your skin getting pierced and then you getting it infected and then you assuming that there's an external contagious thing that everybody's just breathing in. And that's the, that's the irony of the thing is because, uh, you know, even in the walking dead, I won't spoil such a wonderful show. Great, great story, I think. But like, you know, you're starting to see that the, like you're starting to see like in the expanded universes of it. And the, then the, the biggest threat of the walking dead is actually like worse than the walkers. It's just government itself, which is kind of a beautiful way to tell the story, but you see that there are preventative measures for trying to treat the issue with, you know, injections is likely to be the lowest common denominator to be the very cause of what they perceive to be transferred from person to person. So, you know, what you're seeing is a direct, what you're seeing is a direct, like, okay, infection. Like, if you leave an untreated wound and, like, you throw, like, I don't know, dirt on it, I mean, that's not going to be very good as compared to actually treating it. Now, I understand the idea of antibiotics, uh, which they work kind of like how chemotherapy works, uh, but on a smaller level, they, they poison you just enough to kill the infection but not kill the host. So it's kind of like a parasite-host relationship. And the germ theory of disease postulates that you should always just suppress the system, suppress the symptoms, mask over them, instead of allowing the whole thing to play out. So but would you? It's, it's, yeah. Sorry. Would you say that it's more important than to like read the label on your food to obviously keep yourself in a positive state of mind, but 
yeah, you know, yeah. maybe eating natural foods instead of processed, high sugar. Well, uh, even even with that word natural, it's different than organic because uh, yeah. they, they, they have natural things. But that like even the way they define these words is very – it goes into the occult usage of words. Um, but like – I would definitely just recommend eating real foods. Like if you if you get scurvy, eat lemons and oranges. Don't sit around and go to some freaking GNC and pick up a bunch of uh, sales choppy freaking gym bro crap and just like ingest all these poisons because that's all this stuff is. And that's why that kind of stuff gets pushed so hard. You know, you get these like you get these like beefy looking podcasters who are who are trying to sell this angle that their product is the most scientific thing out there but it's really just a sales chop like they're not gonna like these people care more about and, and that's kind of perfect, why you're not seeing exam- podcasts it, catch on to this stuff is because a lot of them a lot of these comedian types are selling the products which require germ theory as a presupposition in order to have value for the supplements that they're selling on the side. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, you can look at um, Joe Rogan as a perfect example of that. And then also yeah. another perfect example of that happening is the Liver King, which what happened with him recently is completely oh, hilarious. No. Oh, the no. the fact that people didn't know that Liver King was on steroids is, is laughable <laughs> to me. Um, but he was doing the same thing. He was taking like 12 grand of steroids a month and then telling everybody that his supplements are why and eating liver and testicles are why he was huge. <laughs> and like, like what's Joe like. Rogan doing? <clears throat> really like really selling people freaking alpha brain. Oh, it helps me think. Fun. It's like, dude, this is it's so corny. Bunk. I tried it. It's bunk. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not easily influenced by like uh, things funny. that people are trying to put. Like, I'll try it, and if it's real, I'll feel it. If not, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, Alpha well, Green was bunk. It's. I mean, it's it's a placebo versus nocebo argument. Like, which is a great thing to read into for anybody who's trying to, you know, philosophically unpack terrain uh you know it's it, it's a nocebo okay but you you bought it so like and oh. the guy gets money and and, and that, that jocko willink guy he does it too like for example like he likes to advertise his product is very simple and like you know whatever but the point is is that like okay you're selling them in wawa gas stations and it still has this citric acid in it which is causing a lot of problems which is the same problem which you saw with the vitamin C isolation stuff. Um, yeah, these supplements and stuff are just more stupid poisons, so, like pushed by, let's say, like the materialist-controlled opposition. And again, it's like you know, if people get suckered into buying them, and if it works for people, oh, I want to just be like, well, cool, have have fun with your Jocko fuel from the Wawa gas station, dude. Like, uh, I'm just gonna keep eating healthy. And, you know, I, I got to quote Dolores Cannon on this, and she just simply say – she simply said in an interview one time, she's like a past life regressionist and a hypnotherapist, but she was saying – she's like, you're not supposed to ever get sick. And that that right there, she's like, your body is a healing thing that communicates with you with symptoms. And, like, some of these people, especially, like, the wise elders of our time, like, you can tell when the – you can tell through the aesthetics of what they're saying whether what they're saying is true or not. And in this case, it's very high frequency conversation that lady's having. So if, if you guys don't know who Dolores Cannon is, I highly suggest you go watch some of her work. She, 
she explains life in such a beautiful way that you will absolutely feel better about your entire existence after watching it uh for sure about alpha brain i just want to kind of point out that when you get when you get it they'll offer you 50 percent off of your or the next bottle free or something if you leave a five-star review so what they're doing (laughs) is they're convincing people before they like they the people will fill this out before they even know or because you know they want that free bottle they'll just write a five-star review and then when people go read on it they'll see hundreds of thousands of (laughs) five-star reviews and that plays into the placebo effect because again your mind is a powerful thing and we need to change to people believing and knowing that food is health (laughs) yeah Yeah. just just eat healthy food and like you know like I don't know. Like, there's all these different angles people want to go about. It's like, yeah, mate, use your own discernment. Look at let's let's zoom out and look at the whole world. Okay, are there any gluten-free uh, dietary restrictions happening in the Dominican Republic? Probably not. Like, you got to think like where Western medicine has been rolled out, all these allergies emerge too, and people want to like you know perceive that doctor's advice to like pregnant women was like don't eat peanuts while you have a kid in your womb and then the kid comes out and he's allergic to peanuts whatever it's like that might be a thing but it's really just like oh my god like just eat food that like resonates with you and understand that like you know the difference between uh nutrition and poisoning it's it's like these are these are far apart from each other they're they're polar opposites it's like just don't ingest poisons. It's that simple. Like even with the 5G stuff going on and the distortions of frequency, I can still comfortably be like, look, I have increased my informed field to the point where I could probably take any of that. So like I ain't going to sit around and continually like continually like make people like get into that muck. Like if I had put graphene oxide in myself, that might be different. Um but the other thing to understand even about these uh, about these vaccines is like, look, I, I really genuinely think that the governments, the governments and the World Health Organization are just trying to get people to have like a, a numerologically significant number of them, which is why they're pushing the booster shots. Like if they just did a one and done and now we got you with this, you know, beast system thing that we put in you, well, that that would be like, you know, that would that would really be really horrible but like in this sense like if people are coerced enough into taking these things regularly and their ego convinces them to keep getting these booster shots well that is the the b system permeating the person but like i don't want to make someone who has taken shots number one and two and then they woke up i'm not here to make those people feel hopeless and i'm true i'm here to say hey good news you won a game of russian roulette and the best way to win Russian roulette is my strategy. Don't play Russian roulette. Like there's there's a step one through three with this Hegelian dialectic they're doing with the problem reaction solution thing. And the best step to take is step zero. Don't play the game. Like don't step on this. Like don't do this. Don't inject this thing in you. Now, are a lot of these injections placebos? Yeah, I, I think that like eight or nine out of 10 of them are just salt water to install talking points into people so that they go around spreading the good news and the narrative. I got it and I'm fine. And then they just normalize the long game that's actually been trying to played by these 
you know, these archons, if you will, uh, to get everyone to regularly take them, to get a massive amount of the population to regularly take them. It's all about zooming out. But, like, I, I definitely reject the idea that uh, vaccinated people are shedding or that they're um, – or that they're irreversibly damaged just because they got the thing. It's like, no, I mean, (laughs) you're awake now. Like, you know, you're going to get really sick, probably, you know, getting this stuff out of your body, but, you know, try to survive it. And then when you survive it, let's move from there. But if you want a game of Russian roulette, you shouldn't have played it, but I'm glad you're alive. That's what I, my message. Exactly. I kind of have a funny thing that I've come across. Uh, I actually know somebody who can smell if you're vaccinated or not. And, like, they get sick, like, throwing up sick if they spend too much time around somebody who was jabbed. And, like, uh, I know that, like, you could walk through the cemetery with a Bluetooth reader and see all of these different MAC addresses that are, uh, like, in the middle of nowhere. No way. But I'm not joking. I'll try to remember who it was. But somebody I know in person, uh, they could smell it. They had to quit their job and start working from home because they can't be around people who've gotten it because – there's, their nose is so sensitive or whatever happened, like they just cannot be around these people. And and wow. and wow, that, that that graveyard thing is crazy. I'm definitely gonna try that. And you know, to add to your nose thing, like I want I want to I want to add something. A frequently asked question I get from like either coworkers or friends. They're like, well, you know, like I I heard someone who a very friendly gentleman, um, he he was saying, well, I got it and I lost my sense of smell and taste, and you know, okay. And the word got is the, is the pivot here. And so I said, you got it. How do you know you got it? He's like, well, I tested positive. It's like, no, the word that you're trying to, you should pivot on is the word tested. Yo, these, these, uh, these Q-tips, they're sticking up your nose to do this test. It's going up your nose really close to your brain. Okay. And you're going to tell me you lost your sense of smell and taste. Yo, that Q-tip is laced with something called ethylene oxide. And I got to like go back to when I was a kid and, you know, quote the guy I trust a lot, my own dad, who was saying, hey, don't jump up and down on that basketball goal thing because the antifreeze in it will splash, in, splash up and get in your mouth. Antifreeze is made of ethylene oxide, the same stuff that is being used as a cleansing agent at the tip of these PCR tests. These PCR tests, well, it's a polymerase chain reaction, and it was invented by a very benevolent uh, guy named Kerry Mullis. Dr. Kerry Mullis, well, he died in August of 2019 of pneumonia. Uh, I'm very suspicious of that, but again, that's, that's a thing to really, uh, pick apart and think about. So that I can have personal experience with that. Um, before I was even awake, I was in Dallas, Texas, working for a company making phones and stuff. And I had to call out sick or I actually, I think my girlfriend called out sick at the time she called out sick in which me living with her at the time of COVID, we were working for like a Chinese company. It was a whole situation, man. I'm a lot better now. We're doing good. But yeah. anyway, um, either way, they made us go get tested to come back to work. So I went to and did one of those nasal tests reluctantly. I yeah. went and showed up and they shoved one of those things up my nose. I didn't let her shove it up as far as she wanted to for sure. But um, I ended up with that exact situation where oh I couldn't God. smell or taste things a couple of days later. Oh, so, <laughs> right. What I'm curious, and we could kind of round this back into terrain theory, is when when they stick this up into your nose and they poke your blood-brain barrier with this substance, uh, 
is is the reaction happening because now your body has been introduced to an actual toxin that it has to spend energy trying to get rid of and process and get it out of your body and in doing so it it takes away from other parts of your body that need those things uh for you to function appropriately and so is is disease and the, these different kind of types of thing a reaction to our terrain to the toxins that we're ingesting to the toxins that we're being blanketed in with radio frequencies and these different things and essentially our bodies are just working too hard on toxins that otherwise shouldn't be in our environment and in doing so it, it creates an imbalance in our system and this is where disease comes from and maybe that's how come you know they the people who get sick have the same illness is because they've unbalanced certain minerals in your body or different things in your body and when you unbalance that particular thing it creates this particular disease correct um yeah and and, well, and then you know i think even the cause of disease it might be even in the language of the word disease itself again our words cast spells but disease split that up it's two two syllables dis ease okay when you look at it that way when you frame it you zoom out and again put a hyphen between dis and ease. It's just it's just an absence of ease. It's an absence of relaxation. And a really great experiment about like to to zoom into something that's a very good experiment is to go back and I'm writing a chapter in my book called Fragments of Frequency. It's all about this specific phenomenon. But of course, terrain theory like. I want to get into the processes of discussing what I think is going on about healing. And what you're looking at is, and what I found in, in, and I reveal in the book I'm writing is that in the early 20th century, all the way up into world war two, and part of the function of world war two was mass disposals of tons of bells, like these giant bells these bells that we were told that when we were when we were in the education system, these bells were made to make people go to church on time. Okay, these bells were running in a certain frequency and creating cymatic patterns. And these these bells were also being used by naturopaths to heal people. <laughs> these are these were these were like old alchemist techniques which have been lost and fragmented when science separated from spirituality. Around the you know around the 1500s, as we both know, the Copernican Revolution, you know, created this great stress of people's perception to zoom out for way too far and far beyond reality, for they think we're on a spinning ball of water in space. Um, so, like, these bells are meant to bring people into frequency. So, like, there's a small experiment done. You can even find this on YouTube. A guy who, you know, he's really brilliant, but uh, I bring him up in my book. I'll just explain it real quick and pass the buck. Um, he just d uses this amplifier that you would just run a guitar through, and he has a frequency, he has a frequency uh, generator, and he just runs it at 432, and he has these, uh, he has these, uh, these things that either that are that have the DNA of the person in these devices that either point toward her. Or away from her as she's standing next to the amplifier, she plays it at four. He plays it at 4:32. There's an attraction between those things and her. There's a frequency that connects her back to that source code that is her own DNA. When when it's played at 440 hertz, it's it repels. It repels right next to her. Now the point about point of that is, is that the 
the uh, ISO, something called the ISO, which would be tied in with the United Nations early on and with the Rockefeller oil people once again and their crazy fossil fuel stuff, um, <laughs> as they call it, fossil fuels, they set – they, along with the Nazi state, set the international standard to be 440 hertz when it came to tuning the note A in music. And that right there is one thing where you're looking at an absence of ease because you're looking at the difference of 432 to 440. And 440, when you play that in a cymatic pattern and you look at it, it forms a hexagon. What happens when you put a hex on someone? Six-sided, right? But when you put a hex, it's to curse something. And so what's happening with disease? People are being cursed. So yeah. it, it, really, it really boils down to that. It zooms in real far, but... You know, it boils down to those those tiny microcosms. Yeah, if anybody looks at any of our previous work on um, chemtrails, and I know that we are looking in the future to have Matt Landman on to talk about five G and what's going on yeah. with Wi Fi and everything. But if you look at um, at a grander scale, what's going on? It's a complete onslaught of our bodies. Um, I really liked the ideas expressed in the book. Goodbye Germ Theory by Dr. William P. Trebbing. Um, that's definitely literature that I think that everybody should pick up and read. It it's definitely offers some cool thoughts. Um, and in it, basically, what I got from it, I'm about halfway through it, and essentially what he's explaining is that these symptoms where we're getting high fevers, um, we're getting sore throats, we're coughing up mucus, we're, we're literally vomiting and ex excreting what's going on inside of us and getting it out of us um, is a response to what's in our environment, essentially. And um, basically, he goes in the book to explain that the buildup of dust particles in, in through you breathing through your nose and breathing, um, obviously, what they're spraying onto us through the sky – um, these all could be explanations of why you get that high temperature where your body is heating itself up to actually kill what's what's entered you or eliminate it. And then what do we have our medical industry telling us what we need to do? We need to stop the symptoms. We need to stop the fever and stop what's happening and cool yourself back down so that probably this buildup can continue to happen. Or at least that's kind of what I see um, happening. What do you what are your thoughts of that, Ira? I definitely agree with the advent of, of geoengineering. I was interviewed recently, and, and, and this to add to your thing about geoengineering, uh, there's a great great documentary made by uh, Hibbler and all of them uh, called Look Up. Definitely recommend anybody watch that. But uh, basically, at the beginning of this interview, uh, I had there was an interview recently. I, I haven't been interviewed very many times, but there was an interview with me by um, – by a comedian, a local comedian here named Britley, and she has something called the Excelsior Podcast, which is kind of a very small, you know, it's on the something called Podbean, uh, because you know the episode she had, she put the full episode where it's like she had the extended five hour version of it because I explained to it unpacked the entire intricacies of terrain theory and zetetic astronomy to her because those were her questions and she knew me from being a hardcore musician. Um, well, that got censored on Patreon really quickly, so that's what's going on. But at the very beginning of it, I she just used just like a real room recorder, real basic, simple room recorder, and we're getting out of her car at the beginning of the recording. Um, I simply point out to her, I was like, "And here, let, let's look at the causes of disease. You want to tell me? You want to tell me there's some invisible floating part particle floating around and this and that? But we're not going to look directly at what's right in front of our eyes." And I, I took my finger and wiped it on her car. I said, this morning, 
all the rain from last night dried up on my bicycle, and I found little circles of dirt, dirt and dust particles of aluminum oxide and all those things. I bet if I put this under a microscope and tested it that we would find there's all sorts of questionable chemicals. And I know that a couple of days ago we had them spraying the skies. And then, well, we need to find out who they are because these people are traitors. Um, so what's going on? I peel it out and I'm like, look at that. Look at my finger. It's dirty. Like you think, like is this natural? Because like they're drump, they're dumping chemicals in our sky. Objectively speaking, you don't need a microscope. You don't need excessive, you know, super, super like college degree knowledge at all to stand in front of your house and look up and see airplanes dumping crap in the skies. So that is definitely one of the causes for you know strange weather patterns, but also way more like. These are just causing problems between health, and it's also causing problems with people's ability to see what's actually in the sky, and hence why they are insisting to us this climate change agenda, saying, oh, the gas of your cars are polluting the cities. Yeah. And they, they just don't want people in the cities looking up and finding out that the stars are not you know, millions of light years away. <laughs> they don't want people figuring that out. Well, isn't it funny how they control people to the point where you could see these airplanes spring, you could see videos of these airplanes with all of these chemicals loaded on, you could see people saying that, like, higher up saying that this is happening or they're going to do it or whatever, and people will still actually not accept that this is happening because that's what the TV tells them. They say, <laughs> it's not happening. It's and contrails. so they just... Yeah, it's insane. They like, I mean, I saw Globy McGlobeface was talking about how uh, the they're predictable. Like they they know which days they're gonna be there because of the <laughs> atmospheric pressure. And it's it's it is not only sad, but it is a lousy about, way. About Professor Dave, uh, him too. They're awful. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to ask you something because uh, what you were saying earlier about ringing the bell and the frequencies and 332 versus yeah. 340. Uh, four, 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 uh, 432. Like 432. Versus, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but uh, like, so the way resonance work is when you match something's frequency, uh, you can actually increase that frequency by increasing a frequency of, you know, like you ring a bell next to another bell that has the same frequency and it'll actually create them both to start vibrating because of their frequency. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of speculating. What if uh, the reason why 440 is so not good for us is because what if like these things, the micro seams in our body, uh, when you introduce these frequencies, it creates them to act sooner than you know when your cell dies. Or like, what if the frequency that we're experiencing in our music and uh, the different things that they're yeah. expressing on us, what if that's creating? a resonance amongst our body that otherwise wouldn't be so excited. And it actually excites them by matching the frequency. And this wreaks havoc on our body. Cause what I've found is that like this micro seams in our body is in every cell, but each cell slightly different. So those are also slightly different. And so, you know, like an infection of the liver is going to produce a different one than an infection in the kidneys and this and that. Uh, but essentially they do come from the same thing. So, like, what if the frequency is actually interacting and exciting these things amongst our cells that does cause the cells to, you know, start to de deteriorate prior to? And because they are deteriorating, when they check for these bacterias, 
they're showing up because they're there because they were brought out by this frequency. Yeah. And consciously speaking, you're, you're very onto something. Um, well, what I can definitely tell you is that has a lot to do with why uh, we're seeing at the, the rate, the, the rate of power lines being installed and, you know, the, the discovery of these stupid things like, you know, Robert Koch and Louis Pasteur postulating their theories for, which would be the inverse of, you know, the laws of nature of what's going on. Um, what, what you're finding is that like, you know, these things like distort into the body and create like this type of inflammation and eventually comes out and then they're like, Oh, we tested you and found cancer. Right. That is just like, it's just hypertension, right? And it's going on. And if you understand the things in frequency and vibration, as Nikolai Tesla liked to say in the early 20th century, you'll find this. Uh, you'll find that there's a there's a guy named uh, Dr. Royal Raymond Rife, okay, and he talked about cancer and stuff. And what he figured out, I guess, to I don't want to like go on and on about it, but what he kind of figured out is that you have these cancers which would be operating at a certain frequency. And he simply figured out that you could play a, a sound of that exact same frequency at the frequency that the cancer is operating on because it's in because the, the malignment of the cancer to the human host is a, is a difference in frequency. There's a contrast of the frequency between the cancer and the human host, which is why they would be able to detect the cancer and there would be like an abscess whatsoever. And so he found that you play a sound directly at that and then basically smash it out. It would just like obliterate it or, you know, bring it back down to level because it would, it would kind of, it would kind of thin it out via sound frequency. Um, and what you see is a rise of cancer at the, after the disposal of these giant bells. And I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like, Oh, a few bells got thrown away. I'm talking about like in my book, I have pictures of these bells and it is graveyards of like graveyards that extend beyond the vanishing point, <laughs> which we like to talk about a lot. Um, and I mean, this, these are just like, they got rid of these because they figured they could just like enslave a bunch of people and graft them into their system, get them dependent on money, get them dependent on, like inverse money really it's it's a medium of exchange that's representing empty space that's what the green money actually is it's kind of like the wizard of oz is a huge metaphor for it so it was like a big wizard of oz scheme where the wizard of oz is gonna offer dorothy to get on the hot air balloon and never take her to kansas so these these people have endless amounts of false promises and that's what the yellow brick road is a metaphor for uh, is basically the gold standard, and we're not using a gold standard. We're using a money standard, and that money standard means someone can just print it, and those people who can print it can get us dependent on that energy system where they can just press a button and get people leaning on this system, and that's kind of why they launched the modernity of the this modern medical industrial complex with excesses amounts of confusion when really – it's so simple as frequency and vibration. Well, and a perfect example of that, sorry to interject, but I want to interject this information in, and I think it's the perfect time. Um, if you look into history, the theory before germ theory was miasma theory. Have you ever heard of that? 
I've heard of it, yes. <laughs> yeah, I want to explain it to everybody. This is a theory, essentially, that, like, chlorella, chlamydia, and the Black Death were all caused by a noxious form of bad air, also known as night air. The theory held that epidemics were caused by miasma emanating from rotting organic matter. Through miasma theory, it typically associated with spread of contagious diseases. So essentially, and there's a picture here depicting kind of what they thought was happening. And they're, they're, what, I, what I get from this is they're trying to tell everybody that the sickness is just in the air. And how they depicted this is a huge skeleton, like five times as big as the people on the ground, just walking <laughs> over everybody. Like this is a perfect example of the fear porn that they are proposing that everybody should believe in yeah. with absolutely no evidence to back it. Um, another thing I was reading in um, Dr. Trebing's book, and he talks specifically in it about cautious postulates. I might be um, butchering that. But in it, they basically use cautious postulates to postulate that germ theory is 100% real. But if you actually look at what Koch's postulates are, you can basically use them to disprove that that germs um, exist in the first place because or viruses or the you know these these specific things that they're saying are causing death. And I think, I think his name was pronounced Coke, right? Yeah, like Coke, K O C H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't know. Yeah, okay, Coke's um, yeah, Coke's yeah, postulates. Good. Okay, and um, and 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 let me just read his postulates. In order for a germ to cause disease, the germ has to be found in every case of the disease. Number two, in order for the germ to cause disease, it can never be found apart from the disease. Number three, in order for the germ to cause disease, it must be capable of disease culture outside of the body. And number four, in order for the germ to cause disease, it must be capable of producing by injection the same disease as the undergone by the body from which it was taken and when you take this i i don't know exactly the um you might i'm sure you're probably familiar with this ira but there was a specific study where they were trying to like mix people's snot and their saliva they're having people spit in each other's face and stuff trying to pass disease and that and, and they couldn't they, it was they the, it was not... the, you're talking about the Rosenau experiment. Uh, I think it was 1917 or 1918, but Rosenau, <laughs> O-R-O-S-E-N-A-U, right, Rosenau experiments. And yeah, they were trying to take they, – they tried to create a control group, which would be mm -hmm. like a room that was full of healthy food and whatever, all these patients that were perfectly healthy, ain't yeah. broke, don't fix them, right? But they tried to bring in someone who had contracted the Spanish flu, and everybody consented to the thing. Like, cool, testing on me sounds good. And I think they were probably well-paid enough to make the whole experiment worth it because it was really gross. Um, but, like, what happened is nobody contracted it. Nobody, they, they couldn't prove person-to-person -person contagion in that very experiment, and they've never even done it now because if they had done it, You'd see the news talking all about that. <laughs> you know, you'd see the news being like, oh, but what about this? But like the Rosenau experiment proved germ theory wrong. And that's essentially what you're looking at when if you if you really break this down to like you, you could do Koch's postulates, which is fine. But like he, you know, he claimed to have discovered tuberculosis anyways. So what I'm saying is like you could break this down to the scientific scientific method as presented by Aristotle. It, it, it's so simple. You have a hypothesis. And you have an experiment in order to reach your conclusion, which would match with like laws of consequence or the laws of nature. So, I mean, you know, you could you could complicate this. You could 
you could fragment this a few bit and make it more detail-oriented. But we know that if there's a hypothesis and it skips experiment altogether, and then there's a conclusion that's based on the hypothesis, that something's massively wrong. And we see that happening with, you know, space bullshit and and dinosaurs. Um, they they skip the experiment altogether and they use the dinosaur thing to say they roamed the earth 65 million years ago but they have no experiment to prove the case there there's you know as you said in your dinosaur episode about the 50,000 years and the half-life stuff it's just nonsense that they're coming up with. <laughs> they're just making it up as they go along and so what you have with this you can prove germ theory wrong and that's the important thing to know is it's not about like trying to get all of this truth about terrain theory and like doing like I did where I read like 30,000 hours about it and watched a bunch of films and, you know, did a bunch of research. I, I look, okay, you just remove what's false. And when you find that germ theory is false and that there's an alternative that you weren't taught about in school, you find that that's Bishamp's terrain theory. And when you look at that, you'll, you'll find a, a higher resolution in order to use your own discernment between one or the other. And when you're presented with that, with that, with that, you find that there's absolutely not one single benefit to humanity whatsoever for anyone to believe in germ theory anymore because the germ theory is what produces totalitarian governments. And, you know, you have people who think, well, if we can eradicate the, the, the disease, we can eradicate the necessity for fascist governments. Like, you know, the, the, the populist intellectual uh, Jordan Peterson said that, but he's looking at it through an inverse mirror. Because he's thinking germ theory is still true. I don't, you know, like whether he's telling an untruth or an anti-truth is the framework that dude's on. And he's got a bunch of followers that are not going to get exposed to terrain theory because he's not going to talk about it because he's like basically a human shield for the United Nations anyways. No offense to the guy, I guess, but like that's pretty that's pretty weird. Uh, it's and, the same idea as like Andrew Tate. Like people thinking yeah. that Andrew Tate oh. isn't controlled while he's walking around doing that little pyramid with his hand, oh, going on to Morgan Freeman or not Morgan Freeman, the, the all these talk shows. Like yeah. he is everywhere on my for you page. And we also know that they have the AI algorithms to take his face, apply it, and make sure, hey, we don't want to see this face ever again on the for you page, and it can happen. Or at least we want, if this face does get on the for you page, we want to demote it to the least amount of people possible. Possible, which is exactly what you've seen on my page, but that's you not what you're to. seeing happen with Andrew Tate. That's you're right. seeing him being reported on the TV you and everything. It's insane what people will believe. That's right, and 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 you see you see him get promoted. It's like, man, how how can you how can you not tell that guys like him and this dude? What are you doing? You're gonna leave the hill and then start an underground YouTube podcast called Breaking Points? Yo, this is just a CIA psyop. Like these jokers are pushing this gain of function lab leak garbage and it is it is a joke and they're doing it because it benefits the military industrial complex it's On really interesting when you look at it like that too because like yeah. then you have to look at the paradigm where they're publicly like saying that they did mess up and that they were funding them with money yeah. so there's like this whole other side to this idea too right. it, it's really interesting well the, the gain of function lab leak thing is like an ego reward system as well just like the how monoclonal antibodies rolls off your tongue nice and your your ego likes to say it but you're self knows better and if you're if you can out it's the whole war that's going on right now it's just a war of aesthetics between ego and self like this the the psychologist uh you know david hawkins and people like that they, they like to say things like hey um there is no external enemy 
it's like when you start really thinking about that, it's like, dang, we're just being pitted against our own egos. So what you're seeing is Rand Paul yelling at Dr. Fauci on YouTube right before <laughs> five minutes before you go into work or while you're on the toilet in a bathroom break at work, but you don't have time to unpack the nuance or even whatever. So you just go with the gut feeling. Yeah. Your ego gets what it wants. And then what's happening? Yo, watch those a little more closely. And you can find it in the nine-minute video at the very beginning of my chapter in my book called The Formula. I unpack this entirely, man. But, like, you just got to watch in that video I made. I make it a lot more easy for people to understand it by comparing it to, like, Darth Jar Jar theory from Star Wars or whatever. But the point is, is that I'm like, look at Dr. Fauci here stroking his pen and just totally relaxed. Yo, that dude's got Rand Paul by the balls because he's there doing his job as the opposition to the initial the, the, the initial claim of virus existence, which which is Fauci and virology and all that stuff. The the antithesis to him is all these conservative Republicans thinking we found these DOD documents that says you are the Wuhan lab and you killed seven million people with the virus. It's like, no, you killed him with the vaccine. But beyond that, it's like you didn't you, you know you didn't there was no virus that's the ironic part but you see fauci just like oh man you see him like getting sexy with that pen just like relaxed just 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 like enjoying himself in those by the way where is years. that guy <laughs> where where is he where did he go oh, I, he's gone I, he's just <laughs> not anywhere to be found by the way but he did, last, like, six he did his job he did his job like the <laughs> Like like now, tons of people who know not to take the vaccine still believe a virus came out of a lab and infected the entire – hold on. They call it globe. <laughs> Dude, it's, 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 it's an old trick. It is a chess move, but anybody who's a chess player sees through this. And um, you know, the philosopher Thomas Sowell pointed this out in his book Intellectuals and Society. I, I actually like that guy's books quite a lot. He – you know, he doesn't know everything, but I like him. Uh, but he said, uh, chess players, chess grandmasters and musicians often see through the uh, smoke and mirrors of the intellectual class or the archons of governments. And, and you know, he says the same thing about comedians, too, as far as I remember. But that's, you know, that's where philosophy definitely plays into this, where philosophy is built on the foundation of something that is objectable. Uh, something that is objective, testable, repeatable, you know, true, something that is true. Whereas ideology is the inverse of philosophy, is the inversion of philosophy, which is where the science has become scientism or evolutionism or whatever. It's become a religion. It's become where, an atheist, inverted religion. But go ahead. Yeah, what? Which, uh, which I was just going to say, which brings me right back to my point, and then I know Derek wants to interject, so I'm going to let Derek interject. Um, but it brings me right back to my point where I was talking about before with Koch's postulates. If you take his postulates yeah. and you apply them to what they're claiming, you'll find that it's not proven. It's still no. a theory. So, it's still a um, theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're, they haven't isolated yeah. these things. That's the most interesting thing about it is that none of these things have fully ever been isolated in a, just a picture taken out of. They just claim that they're so small that we'll never get that. Um, but yeah. Derek, I want to let Derek interject, please. Well, yeah, exactly. On on that note, uh, when they were doing this 
coach talk when they were running these <laughs> tests to I try do. to isolate. I'm, I know I'm not even going to tell you to to mess with the before with the cokes how I was how I was uh, pronouncing it before. It's hilarious. <laughs> so don't feel bad at all. Coaches, uh, I don't. It's hilarious, dude. That's hilarious. It, yeah. It's epic. <laughs> uh, but like uh, a little bit of background on that on why it is still a theory and it's not a fact is because they oftentimes, more than not, they can't isolate the the so-called germ. And even mm-hmm. more so than that, uh, they can't infect every single test subject, which in order for this germ theory to be accurate, they everybody who gets introduced to this bacteria should have to should get sick. This is because if you've never had it before, your immune system's never seen it before, how do you already have an immunity to this? I mean, this is where vaccines come from. They say you build your immunity. Uh, if if you've never been introduced to this, then how would you have an immunity to it? And so one of the reasons on for why they say that this is not a, a fact is because there are factors like uh your immunity, your genetics, and your environment. Well, when you're running these tests on a rat, you could use the same genetics. You could have the same (laughs) genetics. You could have the same environment, the same food, the same everything. So essentially, you can completely control your test. And even though you can control your test by uh, controlling the rats that you test on, they they still cannot get this to develop. And uh, not in everyone. Some rats, yeah. And it's it really is based on your environment. Your terrain really does lay the foundation for your health. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that I kind of want to point out is when I was looking into what vir- viruses are, uh, they are like, I mean, and obviously you, there's is not proof, like there is no factual behind this, but I've seen documents from doctors and people who've been looking into these things is that they say that a virus is your immune body response to microtoxins in your in the air and the food you eat, all of these different things. And your white blood cells in your immune system attach to these toxins to get them out of your body. And so what they this document was showing was that uh, these viruses are they're they're not something coming from outside. They're your body's dealing with microtoxins, whether it be EMF or just chlorine in your water, or whatever these different things are, and that's your body's way of processing them out. And if you have a healthy immunity, you don't, you can't be sick by it because it, it's your immune system's reaction to a toxin. But if your immune system is not healthy and it reacts to something, then you can get sick based just basically because the toxins around you interact with your body, and your body attempts to release them. But your immunity is down because your minerals are down because you're not eating right because you're thinking poorly about yourself. And this, in sense, creates the disease inside of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I wanted to interject um, <clears throat> is the idea of because I know we didn't really talk. I know I brought it up. But we didn't really talk about it much in the first hour. And I know that we are probably going to get comments talking about this is sexually transmitted diseases. So um, one question I want to ask is, um, do you think that they're in a different category? Because I know that I know of different people that have gotten like things like chlamydia or gonorrhea, things where you just take a pill or get a shot and it gets rid of it. And they have like these symptoms and from having a sexual partner and things like that. What do you think? um, What do you think of that? Do you think that's in a different category or how do you view that? Because I've I've heard Amanda Vollmer talk a little bit on of it. It's pretty controversial. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. 
fully agree that it is on it is arguably on a different topic yeah so it is yeah that's a good that's a good way like, to explain. like, like it, it might be i think that's i think you i think you're onto something there um it is not but it's not that like it it's the fact that like you have to look at the presentation of what's being insisted to us mm-hmm. about hey once you get herpes from someone we mm-hmm. know you have it for the rest of your life and you gotta it's like dude these things are like your body is going to heal itself. And of course there's going to be symptoms. There's going to be things, but it's like at the same time, it's like when you just see that what they're trying to do is communicate to people about like eugenic purity as the ideal starting point, you find it has an ideological undercutting. Now we look at something like HIV, which my, my film beyond good and evil it does unpack that from the perspective of Dr. Kerry Mullis, who invented the PCR test. And you find that what him and Gary Knoll, and I really recommend people look into the works of Gary Knoll regarding the AIDS scam. What happened? Real simple. The CDC was running out of funding. It was running out of reasons to exist, and they needed a new, they needed a new <laughs> plague. Okay, so then they came up with this hiv thing and it's the same thing that's going on with covid but in this they were trying to blame gay people for it which they were trying to that was like, such a weird point in time wasn't it oh my and, and, i mean such a weird and they're thing trying to, to do this they, they they tried it like for a couple months they were doing the same story with monkeypox, which yeah they, they, they so, completely dropped that so by the way they've so dropped that by the way they knew that was yeah, they, fail. They, that, that, that was so <laughs> goofy but like what happens here is Check this out. Like, they the presupposition is we're being told in school HIV equals AIDS equals death. It's like, how about you go and test? Okay, you go and test for HIV, right? And then if you get a positive, then you go test again, make sure it's not a false positive. That's the understanding we had from the germ theory presupposition many, many years ago. And what's actually happening is they tell you you're positive, you have it you're inevitably going to die. We need to keep you alive for a certain amount of time. And so then what they do is they say, well, they, they prescribe people AZT because they're trying to, because that, AZT is a chemotherapy. There's a poison on the bottle. There were Carrie Mullis even points this out in my film. I couldn't back this up in, any more than to provide evidence from my claim to say they were poisoning people with AZT. And that was a cause for what people were perceiving as HIV equals AIDS equals death. And so there are many other causes for these things, such as just like regular poisons and ingestions. And even, you know, you could even look at people just lacing people's drinks with a poison. You can poison someone. Like these are things you won't hear on the news is, oh, uh, the president of Tanzania, after he told everybody COVID was fake, John Magafuli, they're going to say he died of COVID-19. What really happened? He spoke out against the World Health Organization, made them look like a bunch of jokers, and sent sent in positive PCR test results for like a goat, a pawpaw fruit, and some motor oil with fake human names on it. And he made fun of them for his people because he was more loyal to his people than he was the archons that are trying to take over the world, and then they killed him. Why did they kill him? Well, they poisoned him, and that's that's what happens. You send these sleeper cells in. And you can simply throw something in someone's food and poison them. This is this is unveiled perfectly in the mythology told to us in like Frank Herbert's Dune, 
or just like any classic like Alexander Dumas novel or something like poisoning is a real thing people do and to deny the existence of poisoning is just that's why we have to look at this framework somewhere beyond good and evil is because the excesses of inherent goodness produces this utopian perception that denies the existence of chaos and evil altogether and so it 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 polarizes people apart from becoming empowered at all and that's what you know like if you want to be empowered you take a positive charge and then a negative charge you integrate it that's why carl jung talks all the time about integrating the shadow and the necessity for people to understand what's going on in the unconscious psyche so like i mean that's a real you know i'm <laughs> unpacking a rabbit hole there but i mean this this thing with like the aids and the azt stuff it's like people got poisoned okay but they want you to think that you got it from someone and they're passing around each other. It's like, dude, if you don't test for these things, you, you, you won't, you're not going to get them. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to believe that someone that the tests themselves might be caught, might be the poison. Well, like, I, also, I mean, before, uh, just, but just before I just, mine's going to be really short, Derek, I promise. No, no, um, no, please go ahead. You can see correlate. I have personal experience with that. The, the test that they shoved in my nose caused me not to be able to smell or taste. Go Derek. <laughs> Uh, it's the same scam. It's a yeah. sales chop. It's a it's a it's an it's a simulated it's a simulated um thesis which well, provokes an antithesis reaction so that the synthesis is an integration with the simulated problem in the first place. It's yeah. it's just a Hegelian dialectic played out with their poisons. And they, they are at the poison top of the two hours along the way. We are at the top of the two hours, so I'm going to let Derek um, interject and get his last couple questions out. <laughs> cool. Well, so I did. I, I'm glad you brought up poisoning because I, from my understanding, anthrax is a bacteria, uh, a very dangerous one at that. And uh, again, you, you'd have to believe the narrative to believe the whole anthrax scare of 2001. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there could be some validity to that. But also, I wanted to bring up how. When you go get tested for something and you get test positive, the, who knows if it's the test that's causing you to become sick when you go get tested for it, or if it is actually the power of your mind, because a doctor in a white coat told you that you were sick, you created an entire narrative in your brain that you're sick, and you're feeding it energetically and creating the issue amongst yourself simply by thinking about having it. Uh I'm sure many of us know that if your family's ever been lost to cancer, that before losing them, before they knew they had cancer, they were healthier. They they did more, they were happier, and once they found out they had cancer, it's like an immediate deterioration of not only their spirit, but of their body too. They they become overwhelmed with the emotions that come with being told you're gonna die. And that negative emotion that you're now resonating with. Uh, is running rampant on your body. Uh, but so I just kind of want to point that out. But what do you know about anthrax and uh, like it, it being a bacteria, aka a germ? Uh, do you like see anthrax as something that is real? I mean, and it, like, it's, it, I mean, you could let's compare it to cocaine. Can you see cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you see, like, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's kind of a poison, right? It's like, I mean, that's what they were saying is, I mean, from what I remember about anthrax is like, I remember they were, they, there was a big scare after the nine 11 stuff, which was clearly 
not the story that they told us on the news. It was done by, you know, Israeli spies and all Yeah, we've unpacked that. Well, you've unpacked, we've unpacked that, that, that on that previous one. episode. <laughs> yeah, you really did too. That episode was great, by the way. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> that episode ruled. <laughs> so, uh, but like we know that, like, okay, so they were scaring everybody with you open these envelopes and then this stuff is going to fly around and, like, okay, like again, if there's some sort of poisonous substance, I mean, like, think about it as a prank, like glitter bomb. You remember those? Like, we used to do them as teenagers, like give somebody a glitter bomb in the lunchroom and but it looks like a little christmas gift and then you open it up and glitter gets everywhere and then it's a big mess and someone has to clean it up well you know i just think about like well if it's if it's if it's if it's a thing that could be isolated then yeah i have no disagreement about the existence of like microorganisms and bacteria and things like that but like i mean i, I just simplify all these things to be like look it's a poison what's what's anthrax it's a poison is it is it given to me by my neighbor breathing air without a mask on? No, like this masking stuff is just it's just eyes wide shut nonsense. It it is it is cult behavior, and they and they get people to capitulate, and and it seems that's what the archons need is people to feed their energy, and and capitulate with the will of the totalitarian state in order to, thus create it through their metaphysical energy. And in that sense, like, you know what you're saying resonates kind of with what i'm saying is like the metaphysics that are underlying under this are not fiction and that's what we're finding and that's what they don't want people to find they don't they don't want the general masses to figure this stuff out they don't want people even figuring out where they live they don't want people figuring out whatever is on the other side of that wall past the yeah. 60th parallel south of here or north of here they don't want people figuring that stuff out because it might get them to find out that it it, it is not very difficult to come up with systems of infinite energy and you know like i guess like i'm you know to finish my comments on terrain i would say that what i am i'm a hardcore musician and i'm an artist i'm a big fan of a lot of these people i've been listening to such as sam bailey andrew kaufman the list just goes on of all these really great people i've i've kind of found this unconscious interaction with um you know what what i've found is that the best way to unpack the very scruples of this is to just simply watch and enjoy it. Throw on some popcorn. Don't microwave it. Like use a, <laughs> use a pot. <laughs> don't microwave it. Please don't use microwaves for your food. That's, that's poison. Uh, but like throw on some popcorn, watch the film terrain, like just enjoy it and, and like watch it and enjoy the film. Like their film is great. I, I, I would, you know, I, I have a preview for their film at the beginning of mine. I also have a preview for a John Thor uh, film called Empty Hospitals and Dancing Nurses, which is hilarious. But like, you know, my film does it more so on the artist's wavelength to like convey how to how I can take these dense arguments that are that are totally conveyed in the film terrain, and how can I how can I how can I throw on a philosophical argument using you know postmodern philosophy such as uh, Nietzsche, Rick Roderick, Michel Foucault, that kind of thing. How can I take the messages these philosophers were trying to get to us and apply uh, how terrain theory affects the metaphysics of what's going on? Well, it's to use mythological metaphor. So I'm just the conveyor belt for these really, really, really intricately detailed, uh, knowledgeable doctors. And I'm just like an artist conveyor belt who's trying to get their message out to people 
using my art and the book I'm writing. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I firmly believe in the power of suggestion. And with that, beyond that, it's like the last thing I'll note is a suggestion to really, you know, like, I feel like I, I feel like I've closed the circle on that, but I really suggest people under, like to, to to understand the system of frequency and vibration that's going on around us. And like, as I've mentioned, the past life progressionist Dolores Cannon, that kind of thing, is to just look at what's objective and testable and find that the end of the rabbit hole has some really good news in it. And you start looking at this old world architecture from like four or five hundred years ago, and you see these spires capturing ether, and it's like the ethereal energy is something that permeates us. And once we find out like, okay, what the moon actually is, that kind of thing. Once we find out the realm we're actually in and how we can, how we can like carefully just politely convey this to people who are asking the right questions. Um, this is, this is how we overcome and create like a true conscious revolution that like, you know, decimates this highly unesthetic nonsense that's being told to us and insisted to us by the people who are attempting to enslave humanity. So I would definitely research the lost empire of Tartaria and check out the um, research done by this girl named she, her, her, her name is summer, but she does this thing called Tartarian Tartarian. And then this one foul wow guy and the doctor's TARDIS uh, things like that. Like look into the Tartaria research and like really measure the aesthetics of what's going on and see very clearly what they're doing and the sales chop that's hidden this true past away from us and think about what we can have back because that stuff is clearly not constructed by mud wagons, ropes, and donkeys. If everybody knew the the way our bodies worked, the way your mind interacts with your body to create health, people would be furious that they're hiding these things from us. But yeah. because everybody's been taught to be afraid and they live in fear, they have unknowingly put in their trust in the hands of those who are putting the problem on the table. And in doing so, we've completely given away control to these people. And the the whole point of our podcast here is to bring this stuff to light. We're not trying to force our ideas on you. We're presenting them. And we really want you to think about them and try to understand what the implications of controlling the knowledge of the people can actually do the things that they could actually achieve by making sure the things that you know are what they want you to know. This this whole thing that we're experiencing here is a deliberate attack on the human consciousness because there is something to our consciousness that they don't want us to know. And that something is so powerful that what the day we see this truth, everything is going to change. Um, I am going to wrap up episode number 15 um, of germ theory. And if these germs even exist in this reality and that everybody does need to just pay more attention to their terrain and uh, maybe just not take Tylenol and all these other things that are being sued and um, watch the food that you eat and um, what you're putting into your environment and, and what you're watching and what you're listening to. But other than that, guys, thank you guys so much for listening to episode number 15. We will see you in episode number 16, where we will most likely go into parasites.